Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. I'm Mark Willard, and this is Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile, an official San Francisco Giants podcast. In season one, we looked back at some of the most iconic moments in franchise history. Now, it's time to focus on the present and future. We'll cover memorable wins and the off-field moments, interests, and personalities of the 2021 Giants team and staff. Join us for Season 2 of Inside Giant Moments, now. It's been an unthinkable 15-month journey for Drew Robinson. Last April, he tried to take his own life, but survived, and in the process, refound his will to live. He also somehow made it back to the baseball field, even though his suicide attempt left him with only one eye. He has now announced his retirement from the game, but his real work begins. Robinson has taken a mental health advocate role with the Giants, as it's clear his story and his resolve will help so many others. In telling his story, we start with the man who was his minor league manager this year with the Sacramento Rivercats, Dave Brundage. Have you ever experienced anything like this before in your managerial career? No, never. Never never have I, you know, obviously... You know, there's, there's, you know, very few people probably in the world that have ever even, uh, you know, experienced something like this or even even walked in Drew's shoes. And I think that's one thing that I kind of told myself was that, you know, you always try to walk in somebody else's shoes and put yourself in their situation, you know, and just try to try to learn from that. And I think certainly, you know, it was a learning experience for me. It's like I uh, like I said, you know, I probably learned more from Drew than what he learned from me. Uh, what did you learn from him? Well, you know what? I, I learned it's okay. You know to uh, you know obviously you know when 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 you, when you do have problems you know and and you know so many of us so many of the, you know more on the mental side so many of us uh, certainly just from from that standpoint you know uh, you know you know everyone's got weaknesses I think uh, along the way and I think it's okay to talk about them and it's okay you know to be open about them and everything like that you know certainly had a good relationship with Drew. Uh, we certainly talked about a lot of things, and I think the one thing that you know wanted to do is was keep it real, you know, not sugarcoat anything, and just treat him like one of the guys, and that's what he was. How did you originally feel about this when this all sort of came into into focus, and you've got a player who's who's been through an experience like that, and and then is is trying to come back and and had one eye. I mean, he's he's been through, as you said, something that almost nobody on the planet has been through. So what were your original thoughts when this came to you? You know, I think curiosity probably came came first. I mean, I think, uh, 
you know, apprehension a little bit, you know, just as far as, hey, I mean, you know, at the same time, you know, what when, when Drew walked through the door, obviously we welcomed him, you know, with open arms and, uh, you know, and just kind of an open mind. I think just, uh, you know, wondering what we were going to get out of him, wondering what he was going to get out of it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think what he was doing was, was truly phenomenal. Uh, you know, I know his expectations and he probably would say something different, but, you know, I told him every day that, you know, hey, what you're doing is, is something that, you know, is uncharted waters and no one's ever, ever walked in your shoes. No one's ever played the game with one eye. And, and, and to have some success, uh, you know, and he would probably say different, you know, he'd get down, down on himself and, you know, I'm not hitting the way I, you know, I should hit. And, you know, he held himself to a higher standard, and you know, which was fine. You know, my expectations weren't quite as high and I told him that, but I just think along the way, I mean, what he was doing was simply amazing and, and, you know, hitting with one eye. I think I found myself walking around, you know, closing one eye and, and you know, and just, and, you know, driving down the road. And I said, man, I can't even drive down the road with one eye, let alone, you know, you know standing in the batter's box and hitting a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. I know in that first series off a left-hander, uh, you know, off the, off the left center field wall. And I said, you know, I mean, th- th- this is amazing. Everything that he did was was amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's so well said. Did Did you need to manage him differently than than other players? No, uh-uh. no. I think the one thing that I wanted to do was was keep it real, and 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 be up front, and you know, not not dance around or skirt around. You know the uh, you know his 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 episode and everything that you know everything that went on. You know, we talked about it. Uh, he's open about it. And the first thing, you know, one of the things that he said was, you know, I feel better the more I speak about it. And the more and more, more I talk about it and the more openly I talk about it, it makes me feel better. And, and I said, Hey, you know what? I'm all for it. You know what? We'll talk about it. And, and certainly I ask questions and, you know, he asked questions, everything like that. And uh, always had good talks and, and certainly enjoyed every minute of it. Enjoyed every minute with that he was around. You know, it's a baseball story, but at its core, it's so much more. So I, I would think, as the manager, it's impossible to divorce yourself from that fact. So did you need to step out of your your normal baseball process with him and not just you, the, the entire team? No, you know what? I, I think after, you know, probably after the first week of, of being around and, and understanding, you know, how much he loved the game and, and, and his passion for the game and his infectious smile uh, when he walked on the field. And I'll never forget that first day when he walked on the field. And he just had, he was smiling from ear to ear and, you know, that's all I needed to know right there. You know, just, just seeing his love for the game. And, you know, I mean, just he, he, he just wanted to be treated like one of the guys. And, and he was one of the guys from day one. How did his presence affect the entire team? How did you see him sort of affect the, the other players on your squad? Well, I think, you know, just the conversations, understanding what he's gone through. Um, uh, you know, I mean, how people – uh, you know, treated him, and 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 you know, I mean, it, it, there was there was there was nothing different. Obviously, you know, I probably you know I probably rooted for him as much as and more than any player I probably ever had. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you wanted to have him, you, you want to see him have success. You know, I hated to see when you know when he get down on himself and 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 get upset when he when he'd strike out and and you know things like that. But boy, I tell you what, when he did have success, I mean, it just lifted the entire dugout. You could see it. You could feel it every single time. And I tell you, you know, from the moment he hit his first homer and, and just, you know, kind of more surprised probably everybody and, and to see him, you know, hit a homer and then hit a double off the left center field wall, uh, you know, kind of from then on, it was it was all real. And, and 
You know, he was one of the guys, and not because he had success, but because everybody was rooting for him so much. You know, you speak of him getting down on himself, but you also mentioned earlier that, that you know, your your expectations were certainly lower than his. You're amazed, as we all are, amazed by, by what he accomplished. So did, did you have some sit-down conversations when he was sort of getting down on himself, and, and how did yeah. you handle those? Yeah, you know what? I mean, you, you could kind of see it. You'd see it in the body language and see where, you know, he's he wasn't meeting his expectations, and he said, you know, I wish, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not swinging the bat. And I, you know, and I said, Hey, you know what, you know, your expectations and my expectations are, 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 are completely different, you know, yet, you know, your, your, your assets are, are, you know, can be your worst assets and your best assets because he's such a competitor. And yes, you know what I did see him, you know, he, he, he'd get down on himself. And then we'd, we'd talk about, you know, his defense. I thought the defense was going to lack you know, yeah. more than the offense. And his, his defense was actually spectacular. I mean, he he played outfield. He made diving catches. Uh, you know, he 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 cut balls off in the gap. I mean, he was doing and he and he's doing all that with one eye. You know, I mean, you know, depth perception and the balls. You know, and the wind and all the all the factors, all the elements that factor in, uh, always played a part. And I tell you what, he was stellar defensively. Uh, that performance anxiety that that he dealt with it, is that something that you manage with all of your players? I mean, you're a baseball guy, not a therapist. But to what level are you having those conversations with everybody? Well, I mean, the game of baseball is so mental as it is. I mean, it's been that way for for a hundred years. It's it's just you know for so many for so so many years. I mean, you've seen where people suppress their you know their their emotions. They don't want to talk about their weaknesses. They don't want to talk about things that uh, you know that that, that are you know, with, with egos and, and all these, you know, all these weaknesses, I think just from that standpoint, you know, I deal with that every day. You know, I deal with players all the time. And I think, you know, I think kind of leading into that as far as Drew, uh, you know, uh, going on to, to, you know, into that department, you know, will only help. And I think that, you know, he's in the right place. His, his you know, his next chapter is, is absolutely awesome. I think he's excited about it. Um, just to, just leading into that, he will be phenomenal about it because, like we said, no one's ever walked in his shoes, you know, and he can relate because he played the game, he understands the game, and he understands, you know, the emotions and the mental side of it as well. He spoke of specific emo- uh, moments throughout this experience that were very, very emotional to him, and, and so tears out on the field <laughs> became almost, a, 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 you know, a repetitive act. Did you have any moments? Did anything ever strike you? Well, I mean, I, I think one of the first days, I think, you know, just seeing him in the batter's box, obviously, even even at the end, you know, when he was standing in the batter's box and, you know, we all, uh, you know, he he wasn't expecting that and everybody's standing on their feet. Uh, both sides, both dugouts came out of the dugout and certainly were giving him, giving him a standing ovation. Um, you know, really kind of made it real and, and made him understand that, uh, you know, this was going to be his last game, but yet he was he was he was heading in a different direction, and hopefully, he will help many many of people. I think along the way. Yeah, I mean, I had you know tears running down my face. You know, when I, when I, you know, when he, when he hit that homer, I just had goosebumps yeah. standing on the back of my neck. You know, I, I I laughed when he came back, and he says, you know, and gave him a hug in the dugout, and he had tears. You know, tear, tears were running down running down his face, and you know, and he looked at me, and he said, you know something to the fact of, you know, gosh, you know, I got tears running down my eyes, you know, tears, tears. I didn't realize I was going to have tears in my eyes. And I, 
I think then all of a sudden then he turned and he says, oh, you know what? I only have one eye. There were right. tears were running. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so oh, that, that's, that, that's how he kept it real, and that's how, you know, he understood. And, and you know, uh, not that he was making light. It's just, you know what, you know, we all, you know, we all make fun of ourselves, and that's, that's, and that's a good thing. No doubt. I mean, I, it really strikes you, I think, when you talk to him, his ability to, I, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but to keep a sense of humor about it, but also to just to just face it. He, I guess that's what it is. He's facing what actually is rather than, um, yes. you, you know, rather than being afraid of that. And that, that, that really stands out. And I wonder what your experience was with that. Yeah, I, you know, that, that really stands out for me, too. You know, he was up front, his honesty, uh, you know, his personality, everything about him, you know, he absolutely just loved. And I think that's, you know, that was one of the best things was that, you know, he, hey, if, if, if he wasn't going to, you know, dance around it and he wasn't going to skirt around it, he, you know, and he wanted to talk about it, so be it. You know what? And we should all, you know, we all, we, we should all learn those lessons, I think, along the way is that, you know, it's okay to make fun of yourself and it's okay to, you know, admit your weaknesses and things like that, you know, just, you know, moving forward. And that's, that's one of the things that I learned from Drew. This is AAA, so development is key, but you also want to win, of course. Uh, When he struggled, how did you as a manager balance the desire to win and the desire to see him succeed? Well, I mean, there was numerous times, you know, we talked about, hey, look, you know, you may not have helped us with your bat today, but you helped us with your glove. You you know what, you you can find a way in this game to help a team win on a daily basis. It's not always going to happen with the bat. Uh, you got to find other ways, and there's things that we, you know, we talked about how good is defense, you know, and hey, look, you know, you cut that ball off, you kept the double play in order, the very next hitter hits a ground ball to second, we turn the double play, you know, things like that. Uh, you went first to third on, you know, on a, on a single. There's different things that you can help a team win on a daily basis, as you can see up there in San Francisco, you know, you know, on a daily basis. They're playing so well as a team, and, you know, and it's such a team sport. But, you know, certainly with, with Drew, yeah, I mean, he – he, he'd get down on himself and, and, you know, he wanted the offense to be there. And he says, you know, I'm better than this. I'm better than this. And I said, yeah, I said, you know what? I said, but you know what? You, you're, you're the only player ever probably in the history to ever play with one eye too. So, right. you know what, you know, you know, let, let's face the facts. <laughs> yeah. Give yourself a break once in a while, you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to fully reflect here because it's, it's pretty recent, but, but looking at what has just taken place, what stands out for you? Uh, you know what, that, you know, what, what, what Drew accomplished, I think, uh, you know, his perseverance, I think was, uh, was great for himself. I think him, him getting an opportunity to, you know, to come back and play the game that he loves so much. Um, and then realizing, Hey, you know what, you know, the pressures and, and the stress and, and, uh, you know, dealing with the failures and everything like that, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, looking for another Avenue, of, hey, you know what? You're not going to get to play this game forever, like like all of us. I think just at the same time, uh, understanding, you know, and I told Drew one of the first days, I said, you know what? You're going to be in this game for the, probably the rest of your life because of your experience and because of the experiences you can pass along and the people you can help, um, you know, down the road. And believe me, he's going he's gonna to help a lot of people. Okay, quick pause to tell you about our sponsor, T-Mobile, one of our favorite partners because of how relevant they are to Giants fans. Because you're never far from McCovey Cove when you've got America's largest and fastest 5G network. In other words, 
T-Mobile is your ticket to the game, whether you're home or away. The Giants are big league. Why don't you come on up and join them? Switch to T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Fastest 5G by Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA 5G Experience Report January 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. And now, my conversation with Drew Robinson, whose openness to share his story is beyond belief. Through his words, here's his story of survival, baseball, and hope for the future. Drew, first and foremost, congratulations on the new role. Wh- whose idea was this? I uh, appreciate it, one. And then uh, it was kind of a collective agreement type thing. I, uh, I just I was really open with the Giants about where I was at with things and my thoughts on whether I should be playing or wanting to be playing and, and just being the, the great people the Giants are. Um, they went to work on maybe creating a position for me, and when I finally kind of, like, decided, they had, the, they had it lined up for me. So, um, like I said, it was just kind of like a mutual thing. It was just perfect timing type of thing. So something I'm incredibly grateful for and I'm really excited to get, get to doing. When you mentioned talking to the Giants about where you were with regard to playing, how how did that conversation go? What were you feeling with regard to your playing career? Yeah, I mean, not the. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I, I was struggling pretty pretty badly performance wise, and although I feel like I've done a ton of work um, on the mental side of things this last year, and really focused on just taking care of myself. Um, I'm still a competitor at heart, so uh, failing at, at, at baseball and not succeeding like the way I was used to or the way I was wanting to, um, it, was, it was really starting to weigh on me. Mm-hmm. And when I just – it's more so reaching out to our team psychologist and being open and letting them know that I just that this is really weighing on me and I'm really starting to feel some similar things as I felt um, before my incident. And it just really – honestly, it just kind of scared me. Um, because, like I said, I had done so much work mentally, I thought I was kind of past that. And I guess subconsciously I thought I had it all figured out again, which couldn't be anything farther from the truth. So, like I said, it just kind of scared me, and I just didn't want to go down that road again. And I just wanted to to try to help myself and, and see if there's a better environment or a better thing that I can be doing. And as I've kind of found throughout this whole thing this last year, I've really just dove into, like, connections with people and – I think that's something that I'm going to be able to do with this role. And I think this is something I could have been doing all along, but um, it obviously wouldn't have happened without baseball. So I just, I, I just really wanted to take care of myself. And I think that's where the giants come into play because they're so willing to help me as a human being first. And they were so understanding of this and understood that there's a more serious thing at hand here. So I, uh, like I said, I'm just super grateful for it. And, it kind of just kind of, it, like I said, it all just kind of worked out exactly how it's supposed to be, and I'm super grateful for it. That is a very transparent thought that, that you just shared, which was that you were starting to experience some of the feelings uh, that, that you were feeling prior to last year's incident. Uh, what were some of those feelings, if, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, just pretty, I mean, it, it I, it's a lot of things, obviously it's pretty complex and it's stuff that I still don't necessarily understand why, but just like a lot of feelings of feeling lesser about myself because of baseball, because I'm feeling a baseball, which kind of leads to feeling lesser. Than out- 
of always feeling like I'm falling short. And time I try something, it doesn't turn out the way I want it to. So that just, that means it must be because there's something wrong with me. So kind of like in a sense, like not getting, get, not getting what I want the way I want it. Um, just for some reason, my brain doesn't allow me to just accept that things aren't going to happen the way there's like that. I want them every single time. And as I'm just learning that it's just, it's really tough when it, and it happens consistently in a baseball setting because baseball is such a, a lesson or a, it's such a failure sport. So um, kind of just living with that. And then leading, like I said, it just kind of bleeds into my everyday life where I just really start to question everything I do, where there's something super simple in, in my morning routine of like making breakfast or driving to the field or something like I could just, I really fixate on the problems and I just get in this really pessimistic mindset and it just gets super overbearing and it just feels like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders and it feels like everything I touch or do is the wrong thing. So I just, I'm always second guessing myself and questioning <clears throat> exactly what I'm doing. So um, it's just, it's a really heavy burden. And as I'm learning, it's really just a perspective thing. And when I'm able to kind of adjust my perspective, obviously things change and it feels a lot better. But um, like I said, when I am constantly kind of failing, for some reason, my brain isn't able to process it in a healthier way that, and that's healthy of a way as I would like. So um, those are the kind of feelings I feel um, on a regular basis, I guess. And it's something that I'm just really trying to work on. Uh, I'm also fast. Yeah. No, go ahead. Before I used to just kind of distract myself and just kind of like focus on something superficial and um, something that isn't really helping. It just kind of takes my mind off it. And then, it just kind of sweeps under the rug and eventually just gets bigger and bigger. Um, so I just really want to address it in a more healthier, healthier way this time, which I think is like just putting myself first and, and putting myself in the best environment as I can, which I think that this is this next opportunity is what will be best for me. Yeah, that's big. I, you know, I, I, I'm also fascinated by how much work you must have put in after your incident to get all the way back to the field. I'm, I, I mean, I'm sure uh, you know, most of us, if you if you put that on a piece of paper, we would have thought there's no way he can do that. But you did it. You got all the way back. Um, but then, as you just detailed, you're not feeling great about the product you're putting out there, even though you're there. So how did you how did you sort of put aside all the work that you put in to get back there to then make a decision to go back off the field? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because that that was really what was weighing on my mind the most. Because, like I said, I was I had thought about this for a pretty long time, and I didn't want to just like emotionally or uh, not emotionally, but uh, impulsively walk away. So I really try to weigh my options and try to write it out um, because I put a lot of work in it. There's a long off season. There's a long long recovery process physically and mentally. So there's so many times where I I wanted to quit because it was getting hard just like on the comeback part of it. And then when I got to it, obviously I was wanting to, I, I was starting to feel similar things. So it was just one of the things where I, like I said, I, I, I'm not cap- I, I wasn't capable of handling the baseball lifestyle as well as some other players and other people I've been around. So, and I don't have any problem saying that because it's just who I am and it's something that I'm working on accepting. So like I said, I, I've learned that throughout this process, I have a really good opportunity to connect with people and relate with people and help them learn from the things that I've gone through and learn from the experiences I've learned and just kind of like, I guess, learn from my mistakes in a way. And I think that's something that is going to be so key for not only 
the people that I can possibly help, but for me as well. And I think that's something that where my new passion is because, I don't know, I, as a baseball player, I used to think the coolest thing in the world, which I, I mean, it still is awesome, but I just thought, like, the pinnacle of my life was when I would hit a home run or make a really cool play and, like, be, do something good in the, in the game to help us win. Like, I just thought that was, like, the top of life. And now I'm finding, like, these, I'm, I feel like the same passion and same excitement with connections with people and, like, helping other people feel better about themselves. And I just kind of weighed my options and realized that I have a, a good opportunity to do that while also staying in the game and maybe impacting the game in just a completely different way. It's so interesting because I, I bet there are tons of fans out there following your story on social media, and what they see are the good moments, the celebrated moments, your comeback, the home run, uh, even the catch in your final game after you had announced that you would be retiring. So that's what we see. Uh, but I wonder on the day-to-day, the hour-to-hour, what the last 15 months ha- have really been, been like for you. What What is that wave like? Yeah, it is. It's definitely a wave. And I think that's some, something that most people can relate with is like just because that's the way life is. Like it, it's just an up-down thing and it's a really challenging thing. But um, yeah, I mean, that was something I was really – if I was more like, I don't know, into social media, I was wanting to to post like some of these things about like the not so pretty side of this comeback. But um, I just didn't, not interested in like social media as much anymore to take the time to actually do that stuff. But it is something that's just really tough because like I said, I, I post about all the great things and all the cool things that happened to me. And there's stuff that I'm like so appreciative for. And like, they really keep me going. Um, but there, there was a lot of things in between, um, especially in this comeback of, you know, hitting. I think I ended up hitting like 115 with like a 60% strikeout rate. Like, no matter if I had like, although I have one eye and it's something that I'm like working on accepting for myself to understand. Like, just being there was a win, and just being alive today is a win. Um, like I said, I'm still a competitor, and like going up there and feeling pretty good about things, like feeling good physically and still striking out that often. It just it's not comfortable and it's something that makes you really, I don't know. It it makes you question all the work I was doing. So I was just in that, I would just go through that grind of like wondering, man, did I, did I miss something during my recovery? Like, was there something I should have worked on more? And you just kind of go down that road of like wondering if you're doing something wrong. So there was a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of hard times because like I said, I, I, I very easily fall into a pessimistic mindset and it's something that I'm working on. And I think I'm doing a good job of it, but, at times it's a little, it just kind of overtakes me and I just kind of give into it. Like, yeah, today's just going to be a rough day. (laughs) And I think that's something we can all relate with. But at the end of the day, like I still have the the thought in my back mind of a hope for like a better tomorrow or a better night to end the day instead of like just letting it consume me for the next, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks, like I used to. So um, there's, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of good moments that have happened. And there's definitely sometimes that some uncomfortable moments that have happened, but as I look back on these 15 months, um, it's something that I, I don't know, I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life because it was overall, it was just a really cool experience. And once, once I step away and get away from baseball for a little bit and like the performance side of things, I think I'm going to be able to remember and feel those moments of hitting the home run with one eye, getting the first hit and being in front of my family in Vegas and doing it in that environment. Um, I think that's something I'll hold on to a lot more than, than this immediate feeling of, feeling like I failed because I struck out so much or made, didn't do as well as I wanted. So I think overall it's going to be something that sticks with me in a much more positive uh, mindset. 
You know, you you mentioned how relatable these feelings are, and they are. I, I bet people out there uh, could really benefit from hearing what some of the tools are. When when you have a dark moment, what what are your tools now that you use to get through them? Uh, for me, the big thing now is talk. Um, I, I talk a lot about how I'm feeling or what I'm going through with, with the people that I trust. So, like, with, with our team psychologist, my psychiatrist in Las Vegas, with Diana, my family, I'm much more open to telling them I'm not feeling right right this moment. As Whereas before, I would just, like, just try to tough it out. You know, you have that macho, like, you hear the man man's mentality, like, don't show emotions. And I would just really try to just tough it out and act like I had it all figured out when really I was really struggling. So the thing I do now the most is expressive, especially to Diana, like, Usually when, like for us, I, I will just say I'm not feeling well. And like usually the, in the past, that would just mean like physically, like maybe feeling a sickness or something. But I'll just voice like, hey, I'm not feeling well right now. And most of the time that means like I'm starting to feel like some pessimistic thoughts and it's uncomfortable and I just need a second. And sometimes just saying it out loud for some reason, like it's just like venting to your friends about something that annoys you. You automatically feel a little bit better. Um, so <clears throat> just talking about it. I've been doing a lot of uh, meditating throughout the last year. Um, and something that I've recently been doing a lot is like first in the morning, I go on like, I, I go on a walk, <laughs> like total yeah. retirement, total retirement, old man <laughs> style. Just go, just go walk. It's like go outside and walk without my shirt on, get some sun, like just feel a little bit better, like get some, some outdoors in, in me. And for some reason that, that helps me. And I, I feel like the combination of doing that with some meditations here and there and then just talking about things a little more openly, it just, it just like let it just lessens the load. And I feel like at times, I, cause I can think back to more, like when I used to hold things in it, I just felt so like heavy and I just felt like I was dragging through the day and things were just like so negative. But like when I do the combination of these things and like really open up, I just feel like I can take a deep breath again and I feel a lot better about myself. And it's just something that I really have bought into. And I think a lot of people would be able to benefit from it as well. Uh, I think a lot of us who originally thought we were too young to just go for a stroll through the neighborhood, <laughs> I think over the pandemic, a lot of us, I've totally started to do that. Part of it is because we got a dog also, but I'm doing that too. Um, so uh, so that's, that's a relatable thought too. In fact, I, I wonder, April 2020, uh, your story coincides so much with the pandemic. How much, how much of a factor was the pandemic in what you've gone through? Yeah, the pandemic was a big, that was like the big, like a tipping point <clears throat> for sure for me. Um, I was struggling with the, the possible, like I was really af- afraid of my career ending abruptly. Uh, I called off the wedding with Diana and I was just not handling that well. And then the pandem- pandemic hits and I just go from being on the go for the last however many years, 11, 12 years. Um, I mean, I guess really my whole life. And then just like everyone just having to stop and just kind of sit there. And the combination of that and coming home to to my house being empty for the first time, um, when all I knew was like me, Diane, and our dog like running around all, all the time, um, it just it was just like, like I said the tipping point to a bad recipe, and it just like I said it just constantly weighed on me. And because there was like really no getting out and escaping it, I just kind of sat there and, and amplified things in a negative way, and unfortunately led to a really bad decision. What is it that you now want to share with others? How, how will you approach 
other players in this new role? Mainly just being as transparent as possible. Um, I think something that I was able to do this season was that was different from the past was have like real conversations with my teammates and get to know them a little bit more and like share some things that I've learned over the years or ask them about what, like how they're approaching things and just kind of have deeper conversations where as before I was just like, I was just a goofball and like literally only talked about like jokes and Instagram posts and memes and all these like surface level conversation things. And now I'm just finding like, I still enjoy those things. I, I still like humor and having fun, but at the same time, I also like to get to know the people I'm around. And it just kind of naturally happens when my story's out there, which is something I'm proud of because people just like feel a little more comfort talking to me because they know they're not alone and there's someone next to them that have kind of gone through some similar things. So having that comfort level to talk with people on a deeper level, um, like I said, is like something I'm really passionate about now. And I think that's what's changed the most because before, like I said, I used to just completely write off like talking about anything other than just like surface level things. So it's something that's totally changed within me now. Uh, Do you feel like you can tell if if someone is struggling just from the outside? Like I wonder now that, that you've been through what you've been through, what is it you can then see in others or, or is the right thing to do to sort of wait for others to reach out to you? Yeah, that's interesting because I definitely see things a lot differently now. And I, I feel like I notice a little, like maybe some signs or notice some, maybe some unhealthy habits in a completely different way. And because like I said, I, one of the things that's interesting is that I didn't know how, how unhealthy of a like mind I had. Like I, mm. I just thought I had it, like I said, I thought I had it all figured out, and I thought I was just doing my best, and, like, life just kind of sucked at times. And I, I just thought that's the way it was. So I didn't think it was anything that serious. So I didn't really pay attention to anything, to, uh, anything like that. But now, I've, after going through it, I just kind of look at things a lot differently. I, I mean, understandably so, but I just I try to do things healthy for myself, which in turn kind of helps me notice when things aren't maybe as 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 right with the person next to me or – just kind of like being more empathetic to actions. Um, so, and that, I think that's the biggest separator is just kind of understand that everyone has something that they're dealing with and it can weigh on them or it can just have, have help them or it can um, m- make them react to something a certain way. And having that sympathy or empathy to understand that maybe they don't have as much control over it as you would like, just kind of like how I didn't feel like I had any control over the, my emotions and things that bad. So, having a little more empathy and just kind of noticing when people are doing things maybe out of their control instead of just like judging them and thinking they're a weird person or something like that. Like I just, it's just completely changed my, my perspective on myself and other people. Uh, Everybody's going through something. It's really true, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's so true. Like that's one of the things that I've said a lot in these, in the interviews and talks I've done is it's so irrelevant to like, compare people's lifestyles because something that gives me anxiety or performance anxiety or causes me stress in in baseball, someone else can feel that exact same thing um, through some other stimuli in their life. So um, judging or comparing anything with other people's lives is so irrelevant because at the end of the day, we're all human and we all have like very similar emotions just come from completely different uh, triggers. Uh, Drew, is this the next chapter or is this your calling? 
Like, what what is your vision now for the future? Yeah, I think I think all of this is just chapters uh, of the book I'm writing. <laughs> by yeah, living. Right? I don't know. If it, <laughs> I, I feel like I definitely feel like it's my calling. Um, I, I mean, how can it not be? All the things I've been through, and I'm just. It's just interesting the way, like, I'm so grateful I came out of it the way I did because I could have easily gotten more negative and been a little bit more miserable. But um, I just, I feel like this is something I was supposed to do all along because I, I had all these same feelings before and, like, wanted to connect with you, but I just, I wouldn't. So kind of having that freedom and that release of being able to do these things, um, I definitely feel like it's my calling and it's something that I'm really excited to do. And whether that be the next chapter, I hold the career for the rest of my life, whether it be whatever it may be, um, I'm just really excited for it because I think it's going to be a really special experience. So I want to circle back to my first question when I said, like, whose idea was this? Now, the idea comes up, and, and you sort of said it was just like perfect timing and the Giants had something sort of maybe in mind uh, when you came to them. But I'm, I'm curious on the details there, like how did the conversation go with the Giants when it started? Honestly, it was a little like it was kind of um, what's the word? Like I was really struggling and I was kind of just going through a session with, with my psychologist and I was just like really down in the dumps and I didn't know what I was doing. I, like I was, I wasn't performing well, so I thought at the best case scenario, I'd make it through this season, and then by and then at the end of the year, I'll be released, and then and then I'm a high school guy that signed, or I'm a, high, a baseball guy that signed up high school, so I don't have anything like a degree to fall back on. I have no life experience other than baseball. Like, what the hell am I going to do? So I just was like really sharing like how afraid I was of the future and what the, what the future might look like, and then like I said, the Giants got together and said. We want to keep him part of this. Like we want to keep him because I. What we found is like people, like some of the guys that was around, they just started to feel a little more comfortable to talk about things, which in turn they reached out for help themselves. And the Giants saw that that can, that can maybe do that for other affiliates and other teams, and just have that that first ignition of starting the conversation with somebody. Um, so, like I said, it really was like a team effort, and it started with me just being a really scared. <laughs> little like as an adult that's super like just so afraid of life and so afraid of the future that i had no idea what i was going to be doing and just by i don't know expressing that the giants felt like they they could help me out and that's the way it happened <laughs> it was really kind of it kind of happened fast but like i said it's happened in the most perfect timing ever because now i have this opportunity to do this like throughout the rest of this season rather than having to start all over from scratch next yeah. year with some new yeah oh that that, that that's amazing. And, 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 you know, I also want to highlight uh, the, the season that you just had in Sacramento because I feel like we're, we're talking a lot about it as, you know, performance anxiety. You felt like you were failing. However, on the other side, we're watching social media and going, this is incredible. Look at him up there hitting a home run and, and doing this, that, and the other. So, like, when you look back now on the experience as a whole, as a ball player in Sacramento, what, what stands out? Yeah, honestly, like I said, the all like the the couple moments of success those stand out so much because it also makes me reflect back on like the off season when I was training when I had no clue this was going to even be a possibility. I just like blindly went at it. It was like hopefully this can happen. Who knows? There's no guarantees. And then 
at least four or five times throughout the offseason. I, I remember I texted Diana, I was like, all right, I think I've reached my limit. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And then just pushing through it and getting a little bit more adjusted and getting used to the new vision and getting used to comeback, whatever. So, like, reflecting back on the times where I thought I was not going to be able to do it and then getting that first opportunity with the contract offer to come back to prove that I might be able to do it. And then getting to spring training and getting my first hit in a, in a spring training game and then doing something good in the game and spring training and then finding out that I made the AAA team, just being able to, like, experience all those things and then the, what were the chances of the first games of the season are at home in Las Vegas in front of everybody that helped me throughout this last year. Right. Um, all of it as a whole is just so special. And it's something, like I said, I think I'll look back on it as a whole thing and be able to feel all the array of emotions because it was such a powerful experience. Um, and it's something, like I said, now that it's over, I think I'll be able to focus more on the positives a lot easier rather than when I'm going through the day to day and it's like, dang, I just messed up again. Dang, I just messed up again. It's a little, it's a little more cloudy. And now it's a little more clear to just understand like what I did was something I'm should be really proud of. And I'll be able to hold on to all the good things that, that came out of it. No doubt. And, and the ray of emotions you just said, I, I, I was thinking about your process and what you've been through in April, 2020 is not that long ago. And, and then here you are, you're out on the field how many times did you get, like, outwardly emotional when, when you're out there in the middle of a game? Yeah, that was something that was definitely new, too, because I wasn't, like, the craziest, like, the super emotional guy, but I definitely had them every once in a while, and I would just totally push them down. But that was something that's changed, too. Is like, I was so happy when, like, emotions would come out, and I would just let them flow. Like, when I, I don't know, when I got, when the season started, and I remember, like, my name got announced for opening day, like it just hit me like right in the stomach. Like I just felt like I had got a like punched physically with emotions. I was totally crying like a baby during the national anthem. I like looked up and locked eyes with Diana, lost it again. Hit the a couple of days later, got my first hit. Looked up and locked eyes with my dad, who was I could see that he was losing it. So I'm on first base crying. Like there were so many times during the season when I was crying on the field, and it's something that like. Before, I would have definitely tried to hide it and try to say, oh, no, something was in my eye. But now I'm like, no, I was crying like a baby. And it's something that I'm really proud of now because I'm proud of my emotions. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And, and, in fact, maybe you just answered it, maybe not. What What was your favorite moment? I'm th- there, there was the home run. There was the standing O, the catch in right field. You just mentioned some other moments. What, what What's the one, the one moment? Yeah, I think um, – I, I hate to even say it because all those combined were it, but I think the home run on that last day in Vegas um, was just yeah, – it was just like the pinnacle, right? Like I said, like it was it was kind of like the confirmation of all the work that I pushed through in the off season when I didn't like necessarily need to. It was totally worth it. And then also the last game in Sacramento, they kind of did like a, like a Hall of Fame, like Mariano Rivera tribute to like send me off into the sunset, like <laughs> – made an announcement like i got to tip my cap to the other teams my team the fans my family that was there um again getting totally emotional there um the home run in the last game something i think i'll think about on a daily basis for the rest of my life because it was the strongest sense of emotions i think i've ever had this might be a a stupid question but I, i i wonder is there in your mind some sort of a, a magic catch-all or, or something that is true for everybody who's 
struggling with mental health? Is is there something you found that is a common thread for all that you think pretty much every human just needs to hear and feel? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like for me, like you hear the phrase a lot, you're not alone. Um, and I think everyone hears that, but I don't think every, it doesn't hit everyone the same way. And I think someone who's struggling with some kind of tough time or mental disorder or whatever it be, I think the biggest disconnect is if talk, when talking about it, there's this sense of feeling like they're going to be misunderstood because how can, how can it, how could it be understood? Like what's, what's like objectively, there's nothing really wrong. Like you're going to get through it. But on the inside, you feel so lost and hopeless. So I think that the phrase of you're not alone and you'll be understood is so powerful because that's what I really fear. Like, how was I going to be able to tell someone that I was thinking about feeling so miserable about, my, about myself and feeling so down when I was living a really good life? Like, I had a supportive family. I had achieved my lifelong dream. I, I was living comfortably. Who the hell is going to understand that I was feeling the way I was? So just getting it out there and letting people like letting it all out and putting it on the table and like letting someone process it with you and then finding a way to address it. And in turn, like it might get ugly for a little bit because you're letting out some, some um, heavy thoughts, but at the end you start to like hear it out loud and you start to feel a little more logical. And before you know, it, you just feel better. So I think the idea of you're not alone and you'll be understood because there's a lot of other people out there that have some similar thoughts. And the power of relatability is something that you'll never understand until you let it all out. So that's something that I've found the last 15 months is so relevant. Uh, you'll be understood. I, I like that one. I like that one. Because you, you're not alone is one thing, but you'll be understood sort of tells people, like, yeah, share it. Share it. Like, have the courage to share it. Exactly. And, yeah, like I said, you just you'll be, you'll be surprised at how many people will be like, yeah, I feel that too. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I thought about what is that, like, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had this last 15 months of people are like, or how many times I've gone, yeah, I remember feeling something similar to that a couple of years ago. And then like, before you know it, you're just having this really amazing connection and it just feels so much better. You just feel better about yourself at the end. Uh, you sound like you're getting to a place where you're pretty content with what you did achieve, even though maybe as recently as two weeks ago, uh, you're sitting there bummed out about, uh, performance failure, as you put it. So I wonder, when you originally made the decision that you wanted to try to play again, did you have a goal in mind? Was the goal to get to the bigs again, or was it just to prove that you could get back out there? Yeah, that's that's something that I've talked about recently a lot with, with my friends and family is that I think I, I didn't necessarily set a goal. I think I was just taking each step as it came. Like, I went to hit – the first time I went to hit – Last year, when I first got clear to do activity, I wanted to say goodbye to baseball. And once I realized things felt pretty similar, I was like, let me let me come back tomorrow and see what happens. And then it felt fine. I was like, then I had the first thought of, is this crazy to try this again? So I think I was just like trying to get to each step. Like the first time I hit, it went okay. And then I started taking some ground balls. And then the next step was going outside and having a bigger backdrop with my new vision, which was challenging. And then the next step was facing a pitcher for the first, like a real pitcher for the first time. And like, each time I got there, I just felt better. Like, I, I felt this sense of accomplishment, even though I didn't really set, like, I want to make it back to the big leagues. I think that's what I had said at some point, but I didn't even know if I was going to be able to play in the game at, at one point. So setting, like, small goals subconsciously, I think, is what was happening. And once I, like, felt 
the accomplishment of making the team and getting a couple of hits and hitting the home run for my family, I think that was kind of like the confirmation, like, all right, you did it. (laughs) Now how can we transition to, like, help other people enjoy this game by learning from the mistakes that you went through? So I think it's just all kind of, like I said, working out. It's something that's almost out of my hands. I'm just kind of going along for the ride, and it's, it's just been so fun. And it's something that is interesting because I definitely used to try to over control things and now I'm just kind of letting it all happen and it's something that feels really good maybe it's too early to ask this but I I wonder what emotions come to the surface when you take a view from 10,000 feet if you can yet uh, and and look at what you just achieved and then the new opportunity that now awaits it's just uh, I mean it's really just excitement Um, like I said I was so afraid of the future and what was going to happen. And and any given time, I still get that sense of, of, of fear for some reason. Yeah. Um, but it's just really exciting because it's like a sign that all the work that I did outside of like the physical work has meant something to somebody. And the Giants rec- recognize that. And they this message that I've been trying to take part in and, and share and try to help people, it just shows that they believe in it. And it's it's kind of like validating to know that some of this work that I've been doing is impacting somebody so i just it's just exciting and special and it's just so rewarding um to be a part of it and it's something that i think i'm taking part of it's not even like my thing it's the huge message that i'm just trying to take part in uh you know drew let me let me uh before before we uh uh, complete our conversation. Let me just kind of step out of you know podcast role here and just tell you i mean talking to you it, this whole thing, man, it just it feels really important. Like you, you feel really important, and the the work that you're doing, and the story that you're sharing, and uh, I, I just want to tell you that that it's really awesome, man. I appreciate it. It, I mean, it feels good. Um, like I said, getting those validation points every once in a while, anyone can agree that it feels good. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and and your uh, your continued ability to, uh, to be open and share and all of this as i said it's so it's so great so thank you for doing this and my gosh best of luck thank you so much thanks for having me thanks so much for listening to inside giant moments presented by t-mobile don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share this episode with your friends and family to make sure you never miss these exclusive conversations each week Subscribe and follow the Inside Giant Moments podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.